0: A reading from Psalm 30, page 558 in your church Bible. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I shall never be shaken. Lord, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountains stand firm, but when you hid your face... I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Our gospel reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13, and can be found on page 1044 in our church Bibles. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable. and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning, everyone.
2: It may surprise you to know that Jesus talked about money more than almost any other subject. He talked more about money than he did about prayer. He talked more about money than he did about serving. Why is that? Why did he spend so much time talking about money? And I think the answer is that Jesus knows what a dangerous commodity money is, if you like, or it can be. And and it's dangerous in a number of different ways. First of all, money can destroy relationships. And, for example, a simple example, someone can be jealous of somebody else who has more money than they do. And that puts a break in the relationship. Very sadly, sometimes in families some older person in the family dies and leaves an inheritance, and the family completely fall out over how that gets divided up. That happens today, time and time again. I will almost guarantee that there are families represented here this morning for whom they know that experience in their family. And in fact, that is even the context of this parable that Jesus told. Because in the parable of the rich fool... It begins with these words, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance between, between us or to divide the inheritance with me. Clearly the brother wasn't dividing the inheritance, you know in those days if someone died without writing a formal will then it was down to the elder brother to divvy up the money, to divide it out and clearly this elder brother wasn't. And so this, this, this guy, the, uh, presumably a younger brother, had come to Jesus and said, tell him to divide it up. The relationship was already broken. And Jesus didn't get involved. He, wasn't, he didn't want to be part of breaking up relationships. Instead, he, he told a story. But money can destroy relationships. Do you know, the, the, the thing that's cited as the most common argument between couples is money. Often breaks a relationship, often breaks a marriage. And so it's dangerous in that respect. Secondly, money is, can destroy character as well. We've Over the last week we've seen on the news day after day all this stuff about the Panama Papers, haven't we? All of these people from heads of states around the world to, to businessmen squirrelling money away in offshore accounts. Now, before I go on, let me just say, David Cameron, I did did apparently declare it all to the tax man, so I'm not pointing at him. But everybody knows that lots of people use offshore accounts to hide money from the tax man. And that's illegal. It's stealing from people who need it. Stealing from the money that we need for our hospitals and our schools and, and, and all the rest of it. But people are tempted to do that when they want to keep as much money for themselves. So money can destroy character. But also, money can destroy our relationship with God. If we we are so fixed on money and possessions that we think that that's where our security lies, then we won't be dependent on God. And if we're not dependent on God, we won't go to him in prayer. We won't speak to him. And then we won't know him. And then when we stand before him at the end of time, he might say to us, who are you? I don't know you. That would be very sad indeed. So money can, be, can, be, can get in the way of our relationship with God. Jesus told another parable, or not a parable, there was a, 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 an event that happened where Jesus um, was approached by a rich young man who said to him, Teacher, teacher, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus looked at him and he knew the kind of grip that money had on this man's life and he said to him go and sell all your possessions give the money to the poor and then come and follow me and what did what did the young man do he sadly turned around and he walked away from Jesus money can destroy or prevent get in the way of our relationship with God that's why it's dangerous what, what are we supposed to do about that? What can we do about it? Well, the good news is that this parable that Jesus told about the rich fool puts, his, it's, puts the finger on the problem but also gives us the solution. So we'll have a quick look at it. So Jesus begins to tell the story in response to the, 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 the chap who's come along and said, divide the estate between me. And he says, he says this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, An abundant harvest means not just a normal harvest, it means a harvest with excess, more than usual. Now, where does that come from? How do we get an abundant harvest of more than usual? Where does it come from? Was it the cleverness of the the landowner? Well, I don't think so, because you only get specially big harvests when you've got just the right amount of sun, just the right amount of rainfall, just the right temperature, just the right soil conditions. It comes from God. It's not down to his cleverness or anything like that. It's God provides that. But look at the attitude of the landowner. He thought to himself in verse 17, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. My crops. My crops. And this word keeps coming up. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store, wait for it, this is the big one, my surplus grain. That surplus grain is the, is the extra amount that he got because it was an abundant harvest. And then I'll say to myself, well I've got plenty now, I can just take life easy, put my feet up, eat, drink and be merry. God provides it and yet he views the whole thing as his possession. What's God's view on this? well, it's summed up in two words. God says, you fool, he says. You fool. He sees that this this man is is, going to be putting all his dependence on his surplus wealth. And he's going to keep it for himself, he's going to spend it on himself. And God says, you fool. Because the man thinks he's in control of his life now, that he's got it all sorted. And God reminds him that God is in control. He says, I could take your life tomorrow. And then how are you going to look? You've got all these big barns stuffed full of all of this grain and you, and you drop down dead. Who's going to get it then? You're not. You fool, he says, if we store up surplus for ourselves. You know, there's a story about two men who met at the the funeral of a rich acquaintance. And they were standing by the graveside as the coffin was being lowered down. And one whispered to the other, how much did he leave? And the other one whispers back, everything. And it's so true, isn't it? God says, you fool if you you do that. And just before I go on, I just want to say this. Because there may well be a, a significant number of people here this morning who are thinking... Well, pads. okay, this is a good story and all all the rest of it. But come on, it doesn't apply to 90% of us. We're not rich. I mean, I struggle to pay the rent. I mean, I struggle to put food on the table. You know, this doesn't apply to me. But actually, the answer to the problem is the last three words of the story. God says to the rich man, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God and, and you might be thinking, yeah but hang on a minute I, I, I'm not rich, I don't have lots of money and lots of surplus how can I be rich toward God well Jesus told another story, it's ten chapters on in Luke it's a very short story, I'll read it to you he, he tells another story, it, Jesus was in the temple, he looked up, he saw a rich per, he saw the rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury bags of gold going into the temple treasury. And he also saw a poor widow who put in two very small copper coins. I mean, copper is cheap anyway, but small, very small copper coins, that's very, very little indeed. And then he blew their minds. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. <gasps> what on earth did he mean by that? Well, what he meant was that the... the the rich people weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing good. They were, they were, they were giving funds to the temple. But he was saying that the rich people could afford it. That was out of their surplus or that, that was out of stuff they could afford to give away. But the, the widow was giving her two small copper coins out of what she needed to live on. She was the one really exercising faith in God that he would provide even if she gave away money she felt she couldn't afford to. And so the principle is not about rich people versus poor people. It's exactly the same. Being rich toward God is something that we're all called to do at whatever income level we're at. Jesus knows that generous living is the only way to break the power of money on our lives. And I'm going to sit down now because I'm going to, play a video for you it's six minutes long and then i'll just very quickly wrap up it's six minutes long but it's it's a man called jay john and he, he tells a story and he puts it much better than i could put it if you don't know who jay john is he is a an ordained minister in the church of england he's actually a canon so he's like bigger than me you know um he's he's a canon in the church of england but no one tells it like him have a look at this
3: there was a man at an airport and he wanted to buy a bag of very small doughnuts and a coffee. So he buys his bag of small doughnuts and he buys his coffee and he's looking for somewhere to sit. But all the tables are all taken. But there's one table where there's one man sitting and he thinks, oh, I'll just go and sit opposite him. So he goes there, he puts his coffee down, he puts his bags down, he gets his coat off, puts it on the chair, sits down. <sighs> opens his coffee, has a sip. Picks up the bag of donuts, opens it, takes out a donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down. The man opposite stretches over, picks up the bag of donuts, opens it, takes out a donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down, smiles. The other man cannot believe what he has just seen. (laughs) He cannot believe that the man has just stolen one of his donuts. He's thinking, what, I mean, what is the world coming to? What is the world? But then he thinks, well, maybe, you know, the guy's not quite there or, you know, he better not say anything in case the guy kind of erupts and he's violent. But he gives him one of these, if looks could kill look. <laughs> he picks up the bag of donuts. he takes out another donut and he moves it near to his coffee. as far away from the other man. While he's sipping his coffee, the man stretches over, <laughs> picks up the bag, takes out another donut, starts eating it, puts it on the table, pushes it back, smiles. The other guy can't believe it. he's done it twice. <laughs> he's stolen two of my donuts. He's amazed. He can't believe it. He's real angry, but he decides not to say anything. Anyway, the man gets up to leave. So the other man thinks, it's a bad time you left, you donut thief. (laughs) He put his coat on, he picked up his bag, and he then picked up the bag of donuts. There's one donut inside. He takes it out, he breaks it in half, he puts half in his mouth, puts half on the bag, he moves the bag, he smiles, he waves, off he goes. The other guy thinks, I'm not touching that donut, you donut thief. You're probably full of infection. <laughs> anyway, he looks at his watch. Oh, it's time for me to go. He gets up, he puts his coat on. He then bends down to pick up his bag and sitting on top of his bag was his bag of donuts. <laughs> He was complaining, he was complaining that the other man was stealing his donuts when in fact the other man was sharing his donuts. Now, listen to me, listen to me. God owns all the donuts! (laughs) And we're complaining. We're complaining. And God owns all of them. He owns all the donuts. Listen, every week we get a bag of donuts. God gives us a bag of donuts every week. Inside there are 10. God says, take one of the 10 and give it to the church that you go to. Okay, that's called tithing. Okay? So, you give a donut to the church that you go to. Right? They're God's donuts, so don't complain. They're all God's donor. He just says, give one, give one to the church that you're part of. So important, isn't it? Yeah, that now you're left with nine. And you need (laughs) eleven. Hey, I need eleven. I've just given one away. I've only got nine. And what is incredible is if you need eleven or you need twelve, somehow, somehow, the nine becomes 12. Somehow the 9 becomes what you need. Honestly, a lot of people in Britain haven't heard the sermon on the amount. (laughs) They haven't. Honestly, a lot of British Christians a lot of British Christians squeeze the pound so tightly they make the Queen cry. You got ten donuts. God says, Give a donut to the church that you go to. You got nine now. See, nine. Some of us need more, and it either stretches or somebody comes along and says, Could I give you two donuts? And you say, Oh, yes, please. Now, some of us got ten donuts. We give one to the church. Now we're left with nine. And we don't need nine. There are many people here, I would say thousands of us here that do need, we need 11. But I would reckon there are thousands of us here who don't even need nine. And so what does God say? Right, I want you to give a donut to Joyce Myers so that she can go on TV every day. So you give one of your donuts and you become a monthly supporter. Yeah? and then and then something else happens, you know, there's a need or this orphanage or compassion or world vision and you think, oh yeah, and God says, give a doughnut. Listen, we all get the quiver in the liver. <laughs> and you and I cannot outgive God. And when you act on it, he responds. So what we've got to do is to say, Lord, they're all your donuts. What do you want me to do with them? What do you want me to do with them? And and if you've got a spare donut, give it to me. I'll have it.
2: As I said, no one says it quite like J. John. So what what is Jesus telling us? Those last three words of the story: rich towards God, to be rich towards God. And I give God thanks so much because of how rich towards God the, the fellowship of St Matthew's is. With your time, with your resources, with your money, with your possessions, it's amazing. Just this week, we've been able to help a family find a home which they wouldn't have been able to otherwise that's a wonderful blessing. It's, it, that's part of being rich towards God, and it's wonderful. But the, I want to just leave you with a, a little challenge. As you come up to communion today, as you come up to take the bread and the wine, which is a reminder of God's richness towards us, because God has given us his Son. In Jesus' He died, he, as Carol told us earlier, he rose from the dead, he sacrificed his life in order to set us free from sin and death. God has been so rich towards us and our response is to be rich towards him. So, As you come up for communion today and you receive those reminders of his richness, I'd love you to be asking him, Lord, what, what area of my life? Am I maybe not being rich towards God? Is, is it my time? Um, is, is it with, with how I serve? Is it, is, it, is it with my possessions? Is it my money? What, what area of my life am I not being rich towards God? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to remind you. J. John talked about that quiver in the liver. Let yourself feel that quiver in the liver as God puts his finger on something. let's pray Lord thank you so much that you have been rich beyond measure toward us thank you that you gave us your son that he died on the cross for us thank you that you've given us everything we have that we're rich beyond measure whatever income level we're on and so Lord I pray that you'd help each one of us to open our eyes to ways in which we can be rich toward you to see your kingdom come and your will be done in more and more lives in our communities in our church life in our families and we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.